0: um, you want to watch Yasmin's and Jennifer's story and, and along with all the other Dollar Club stories, I want to encourage you to get on our website, get on our Facebook page, you'll find those. Uh, and if you ever need a lift up or some encouragement, man, just go do that and uh, jump on there. Won't take long uh, before you'll get some heart uh, heartstrings tugged a little bit in the name of Jesus. So I want to encourage you to go to find that. Uh, well, thanks for being here. Thanks for uh, coming here. Uh, being with you in person is always great. And thank you so much, Brandon, for turning that light off. And all of you who are, I'm assuming that's what you're doing, and all of you who are getting online, uh, with us right now, live watching. Thank you for joining us as well. So glad that you're doing that. Uh, and my name's Andy. If we haven't met, I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I wanna welcome all of you, wherever you are, uh, to week number two uh, of a series we're in called We Are the Church. And what we're doing uh, is we are studying the book of Acts together. We're studying the book of Acts and seeing how the very, very first church of believers in Jesus was established, what they did, how they operated. And what we're doing is we're looking at that uh, just to answer one simple question from For us as a church and it's this question who are we as a church like how do we operate what what are we doing to follow Jesus united together uh, as River Ridge Church and and this is such an important question for us to be answering everybody I think uh, for a lot of you and a lot of you watching uh, it's important to you because you are someone who would consider yourself a part of this church that you would say yes this is my church and and this is my church home and for us for those of us who say that it is critical to know why you come here like why we gather, why we get around, what our mission is, and, and, and that we're united, how we are united in following Jesus together and what God is calling us to do. Uh, and then there are some of you who are new to church and new to coming. You, you just would say you're not a part of this in the sense of saying this is my church. Uh, but man, this is a great time for you to be here as well because uh, I just we invite you in because it's almost like we're starting from scratch and figuring out together, hey, what is a Jesus church about? What should a Jesus church be all about? About. So that's kind of what we're doing, that's what we're going after, okay? So let's go ahead and get to it. If you have your Bibles or electronic devices, uh, and you're not being stigmatized by the light over there, go ahead and grab those, and open them up to Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter, let's pray for Brandon right now, in the name of Jesus, to get that light fixed, amen. <laughs> we'll go to Acts chapter 3, and uh, here's where we left off last week, here's how Chad, as you're getting there, to Acts chapter 3, Chad opened us up last week with what Jesus actually said uh, before he ascended into heaven, before he left us here on this earth, and said, I will see you soon. And here's what Jesus said to the church that was just starting. He said this in Acts one eight. he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And everything that we're gonna read, everything that you're studying in the book of Acts is going to be a a part of what he just said right there. That all of this revolves around that one thing that Jesus said. That what we're gonna see in the course of the series over and over and over and over again, everybody, is the Holy Spirit's presence on a group of people. And that they became witnesses of God. They became witnesses of God and told the true story of Jesus Christ. Okay, and they first went to Jerusalem where they were, and then it scattered to Judea and Samaria, and eventually grew and grew and grew to the ends of the earth. Where listen, think about this: where we are here today, talking about the same Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit, and that were witnesses of the same God and Jesus Christ. And if you just sit and think about that, that's crazy. That's amazing. And so what we started out with last week is we looked at how the church uh, is a community of people. It's a community of people who are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be a couple things. One is to be devoted to Jesus Christ, and two is to be devoted to each other. And that's our call as well. Nothing's changed since the very beginning, that we are called as a movement with a mission in the message of Jesus Christ. And we're united in that. We're devoted to him and devoted to each other. So today, uh, we're going to move to the next distinctive that we want to look at as a church. And we're going to see this next distinctive through the very first healing that takes place in the book of Acts after Jesus uh, ascended into heaven. Now, uh, as you look at this, uh, there are actually 14 different miracles, I think, 13 or 14 different miracles in the book of Acts, uh, and seven of them in the book of Acts uh, are physical healings that take place, and so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at one of those healings, and it's going to be pretty much representative of all of the miracles and healings that take place, and in our charge, what we're going to look at is through the lens of what is it? what do we do with this? How? Are, what is our call and our mission as a church as a result of what God did? Through the healings and miracles that take place, and how does that affect our mission uh, to the world that we're a part of? Okay, so let's get to it. Hopefully, you got there. Ash chapter 3, we're going to pick this up in verse 1, and here's what it says. It says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. And as, so just so you know, back up for a second, as you study this, and I hope you do, and again, we have reading plans out there for you, grab one if you haven't, It. you have two different ways you can study through the book of Acts online, you can uh, download the PDF, man, I really want to encourage you and challenge you to read the book of Acts in your own studies together. But here's what you're going to find out, as you start to look at and read and study the book of Acts, you're not going to go too far before you see prayer being a huge part of it these folks are doing. And here's what you're also gonna see, great things tend to happen with people who pray. Great, you hear me? Great God things happen as a result of them praying. So here's where they're at, they're going to the prayer service it says, and as they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, and so he could beg from the people going into the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Okay, so what's happening so far right now is really nothing out of the ordinary. There's nothing out of the ordinary going on. So people back in that day, they knew, man, if you wanted to get some some charity, man, that that was a place to go. That was the prime spot, man. Get there right at temple, right before church starts, because man, there are some people believe that, like, hey, man, if I if I give to somebody right now, man, then then God's really going to see that. He's like, like, you see this, God, you're going to answer my prayer. They think that they, their prayers going to get answered if they kind of give the money right there before church. So this guy wasn't dumb. He knew uh, where to be. This was his spot, and he we. Don't I don't know how long he's been at this, but it says each day, so he's been at this for a while, and so this is kind of his spot. And here's my thing: uh, as we go, Peter and John, uh, this wasn't like a new thing for them, right? They they did today what they did yesterday and the day before, and so they've seen this guy before. He's seen them before. They're not strangers, really. Don't know what their interactions were at this point, but they all knew the routine. And so he asked for money like he did yesterday. But this time, something different happens. Something different happens. Here's, let's keep reading. It says, Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. And the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. He's like, man, they're finally going to give me something. And as Peter said, though, I don't have any silver or gold for you couple things here that just stick out here as, as we go. Into this. Now, I, don't, I don't know what order they're in, but just as they stick out. Uh, and So, so here's, here's what happens. So Peter says, hey, look at me, man, look at me. And the guy goes, oh, great. And he goes, I don't have any money for you. And I just find that strange and funny because the guy was probably like, hey, good, you're going to give me money. But he goes, I don't have any silver or gold for you. That's not what I have for you. And I think for us sometimes, I just thought about me a little bit. I interject myself a little bit too much in as I read the stories. But you know, Peter said no to this guy. Right, Peter said, no, I don't have what you're looking for. Sometimes I think we hear a no from God sometimes, right? But sometimes I think the no from God isn't what it seems. And we're going to find that out here in a minute. Sometimes you're going through a no for God, and it seems wrong, it seems indifferent, it seems kind of unloving from him at first, but there's something else he has for you. There's something that if we have another perspective, if we have a God eye on this thing, and we see on the other end of this, it might be the actual thing we needed, and not the thing that we're looking for at all, everybody. I mean, this guy, man, he was looking for money. He was looking for money. And, and when he heard, I don't have any money for you, my guess, I don't know, it doesn't say this, my guess is he just moved on. right? My guess is he just he put, his, put his eyes to somebody else. He's like, man, you're wasting my time. And he got a little miffed off. My guess is he probably got a little miffed. And I feel like I want to say to some of you here that, that some of you are asking God for some things. And he says no. And he's saying no. And, and, and you're turning your attention away from him. You're, you're taking your eyes off of God and you're going to something else. And you're just kind of miffed off a little bit at him. And you're just wondering, man, why? Because you're getting a no and you've moved your attention from him. But but that no, listen to me, everybody. That no may lead to the actual thing that you need, but you just don't see right now. And here's how I know this, everybody. I know this because of my ability just to look back at my life and the no's that I went through and seeing my life now as a result of some of those no's that God gave me. You know what I'm saying? Like, if God gave me everything that I was asking for, I would not be close to what I've been blessed with in this life today. I believe that, man. I mean, I am so... thank that God gave me some no's in my dating life where I would not have Courtney, okay? I praise God for that every single day because that's why God invented high school reunions, everybody. All right, like, I don't know if you knew that, but like, you know, you start to look around and you're like, whoa man, you see the people who were really influential and you're like, wow, how did, why did I listen to that person? Or, or the people you are like, oh God, I really want them so bad. And then you see them, you're like, thank you for that no. Okay, you, am I lying? Am I lying? Right? I'm just saying, yeah. High school students, we're clapping. High school students, we're clapping because, man, listen, I know. I know. I, I'm being serious for you, saying high school kids. Just listen to me. We know. Like, I know that what they're saying, we're hanging on their words, and, and they're, they're great, and, and they're so influential, and, man, we just want them to like us and whatever it is, and, and their opinions mean so much. But just wait, man. Just wait. Just wait. I'm telling you. I want to encourage you. Just wait. In 20 years, like you're going to look them up on Facebook, and they need name tags so you can know who they are, right? And you're going to be like, oh, man, you run into them, and you'll be like, hey, man, you, you look... How you doing? Like, how's it going, right? And like, you know, I'm just saying, so just hang in there, hang in there. Amen, everybody, hang in there, high school students, all right? Man, parents, parents, we know this. Some of the greatest blessings we can give our kids are a no, right, everybody? So, so sometimes God's no is actually his grace and his love saying something else to us. And right now it doesn't seem like it, but I'm telling you, sometimes his no is a thing to draw us to him, to see his will, his call for our lives, our purpose, his presence that we need instead of being distracted by that thing or that circumstance that's going on that we feel like that one, yes, and it'll change our whole life. But that's not, sometimes it's not what it seems. Let's see what happens. So Peter says, man, I don't have any silver or gold for you but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene get up and walk and here's what happens everybody then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up and as he did the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened so what just happened so a couple of things that happened I want to just go through a couple of things a couple of people first I want to look at Peter uh, really quick so for Peter like, like here's the thing I just, this is the thing that I want us to recognize Peter was doing the same thing today that he was yesterday and the day before there was no difference in what he was doing and so he did the same thing he probably encountered the same guy that he did yesterday and he was going through the same routine that he was but this time something different happens and here was my question why? Like, what was different? What did he do that was so different? And here's the answer. We really don't know. Like, we don't know why God did what he did right there. But here's the point, everybody. The point is this, that he had already put himself in the position to be used by God. And so I want you to come with me on this. That goes for us as well, everybody. That goes for us too, that we need to see this. If you're taking notes, a couple things. I hope you write these down. They're really simple, really easy. But the first thing that Peter did was that he was already focused on God. That's how he saw God do what he did. And I don't know anybody in this room or watching who doesn't want to see God do something amazing in their lives. But the first thing we see that Peter was doing is he was focused on God. And so here's the deal. I just want to say this as you're writing that down. God uses people who are already moving in his direction. You hear me I'm saying he doesn't have to but I'm just saying more often than not when you read the book of Acts when you read the New Testament God often and most often uses people who are already moving in his direction some of us have seen God do amazing things some of us have seen God answer some crazy prayers some of us have seen God do these things and it, usually it's because of result that we're moving in his direction You're already moving in his direction and some of you you haven't seen God it's not that you don't want to but you just haven't seen God that much. And I think a lot of times the mentality was, is, well, you know, once I see him show up, then, then, I'll, then I'll take him seriously. Then I'll increase my prayer life. Then I'll be more available. Then I'll get going. But then, listen, that's not how God works more often than not. That's not how he wants you to operate. Some of you right now today, some of you right now, I'm telling you, you need God to show up. You really need him to show up, and you haven't felt God working a long time in your life. And, and here's the thing: the irony is this. The irony is that a lot of times, when you're in that situation, it's actually pulling you away from the thing that you should be doing, that you need to be doing, in order to see God working, which is living in more obedience and more obedience to Him every day in your life. It almost takes, it's like a negative flywheel that happens, and that's what happens. Uh, and so you sit. So instead, what you do, instead of walking in obedience and moving in His direction already, you sit back and you wait for God to work, or wait for God to do a miracle in your life, or your or your purpose or your job or your marriage or, or whatever you would say is important to you. And God is like, man, just move with me. Like, just go where I'm going. Please just go and see what happens as a result of your obedience to me and my agenda. Peter was already committed and moving in his direction and in God's direction. And then all of a sudden God just said, okay, this day, right now, this moment, you did it yesterday before, I'm gonna do something crazy here. That's why I mean. it's amazing to see is, Again, if we wanna see God do it, that's the first thing we see. Here's the second thing that we saw is that he was also sensitive to the knee. I think, I think so many times all God needs from us is so simple for him to do something really amazing and to do something he's been wanting to do. And all he has, all he wants for us is just to be one word, interruptible, period. He just wants us to be interruptible in our lives. And I mean, honestly, because if you just start to look uh, at what Jesus did and how he did most of his miracles, most of his healings in his life, here's what you're gonna come across is you read most of the time what happens is it says as he was going or while he was on the way and then all of a sudden he stops, he was interrupted and he allowed that interruption and then God would do something great. It's a recipe, I'm telling you, with Peter, with Jesus, with, with everybody who sees God do some amazing times. I just wanna ask this, I just wanna ask this to you as you're thinking through this, I just want you to think about your last week. How interruptible were you last week? And listen, I'm preaching to myself here, everybody. Like, this is challenging. This is a challenging one right here for me, but this is Jesus' model. This is, this is Christ's model, man, that, that we learn to be about other people first, that we learn uh, to consider others before ourselves, and that we allow ourselves to be available, to be interruptible. You know, maybe there's that person at work right now that works beside you, works down the hall from you, and they are struggling in their life. You have no idea what they're struggling with, but they're just waiting for somebody to be inter- interruptible. Maybe, maybe it's your close friend. Maybe it's somebody that's struggling with something and only when you make yourself available will they actually open up to you and tell you what's really going on and allow the gospel of Jesus Christ and love and grace and mercy to come flooding, freshen in to their lives. I don't know, I don't know. But, but but for Peter, what we see is that he was he was already moving in God's direction and he made himself available and he stopped and he did something that we saw God do amazing. And Peter knew that in order to be used, that he needed to be in the right place already, okay? and And... Here's what I wonder. Man, I'm just wondering this about myself. I don't wanna put anything on you on this one. I just wonder, man, how many times did God wanna do something amazing, but it's just still laying there because I wasn't moving in his direction and I wasn't ready for him. It just captured me a little bit this week. How many times, like God was ready, man. He was ready. He was ready, but how many times do we miss opportunities because we weren't ready for God? And I love the boldness of Peter here. Don't you love the boldness of Peter? I mean, think about being that sure of what God wants you to do, man. He wasn't just saying, hey, I'm gonna pray for you to get better, hope it goes well, I'm gonna go to temple. And he was like, no, 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 man, get up. It's gonna happen, I know it. It's amazing if you really think about it. I love that that, that, that he was so clear on what God's call was in his life because he was so connected to him. He was so full of the Holy Spirit that he knew what God commanded him to do. And just so we're clear on this, I just want us to be clear on this before we move to the next thing. Um, like, it's not like, the, this is not, and you'll see all the miracles that happen. This is not Peter going, okay, God, like right here, I, I, I call healing here right now. All right, show up, do what you do it, I'm gonna call it. That's not what happened. It's actually the other way around, okay? Uh, through his faith, God called him to be a part of what he was doing in the carrier of his grace and uh, healing on this guy. So I don't wanna see a bunch of you in the lotto line going, here's a miracle, everybody. Like, that's not what we're learning from Peter, uh, but it's like being in line, and in he said, in the name of Jesus, which means, means in the character of Jesus Christ, God's gonna do some amazing things and we're gonna know. We're just going to know. So we constantly stay focused on God. We stay aware to the needs around us. Let's see what happens as a result of this. This is the guy. that says he jumped up, stood on his feet and began to walk. And then walking, leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. And when he realized that he was the beggar, the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the, I had to practice on that word, colonnade, where the man, who says that anymore? What is a colonnade? <laughs> uh, sorry. Where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. And so Peter, again, I just want to go back real quick. He goes, hey, I don't, I, I don't have money for you. I don't have uh, gold and silver for you. I, I, but I do have something better. I do have something better for you. And this guy, think about this guy. Think about what he was going through. I mean, he was looking for money. do Do you see the irony in this? That's not what he needed. Do you see this in your life? He was like, man, all I need is a little money. That's all I need, and then I'll be okay for today. But that is not what he needed. And I think a lot of us are like that with God too. I think a lot of us, so many times, what God has in store for us is actually better and greater than what we're settling for in our lives, everybody. I just believe that I actually really, I thought about this a little bit. I think, you know, so many of us, uh, I don't think the problem is that we're, I think the problem isn't that we're asking for too much. I think the problem is that we're settling for a little too little in this life. I think we're just settling for a little bit. And then here's the thing, the world will offer us just a little bit. And what we do as followers of Christ, we, we take what the world offers and we just kind of go, okay, I mean, I guess that's okay. I mean, I'm not all the way there. I'm not content. I'm not like really fixed by it, but I, I can get by. And I'm telling you, God has so much better for you. You hear me out there? God has so much better for you in your life. And I'm not talking about stuff. I'm not talking about getting things. I'm talking about what is that deep down longing in your soul to be satisfied. That's the only place you can get it. That's, and that's what he offers you all the time. But I think we get satisfied with so little in this life. And I feel like God sometimes looks and goes, Really? Really, I got so much more for you. And I just think, unfortunately, that's what we do. We, we all, and here's the thing. We all have something. Like, think about this. It, it, I just want to say for my own, this is a challenge in my life that I have to pray against. There's, all, there's that something that you think if you get it, then you'll be happy, right? Like, if it's that, there it is. There's that one little thing, and you'll be happy. But I want to tell you, somebody else already has it, and they ain't happy. Whatever that is right now, you're thinking somebody's got it and they're not happy. They're not not satisfied because gang, we need something more. You hear me out there? You need something more than physical healing. You need something more than that money. You need something more than those relationships to work out. You need fellowship with your heavenly father. You need restoration with a God who made you and loves you. That's what's gonna fill your life up. That's what you need. And here's what I'm gonna tell you, just a warning here. Satan is totally willing to alleviate your momentary suffering as long as it just lets your eternal perspective get out of whack. He'll, he loves to do that because then we'll go off of the eternal thing and he'll distract you from what really matters for eternity. He loves doing that. Don't, don't, don't get messed up on that okay, so now I love the response of this guy too, right? Let's go back to this guy. He jumps and he leaps and he's just like, oh man. And I love, what's the very first thing this guy does? I love, it. he goes to church. Like he's rolling into church. He's like, let's go to temple, baby. And it's because uh, back then, like if you were sick or lame or you were not allowed in the temple, they thought something weird about that stuff. So, so he wasn't allowed. So this was the very first time that he could probably come and go to church. And I love how it says that people noticed him leaping and jumping to God. What was he doing? What was he doing, everybody? He was worshiping. Right? He was where he was he was man giving praise to God. He he was giving glory to God. He was jumping and leaping and stuff. You know who worships like that? Some of you would say crazy people, weirdos, right? No, no, that's not who worships like that. You know who worships like that? People who couldn't walk and then they could walk again. People who come in here, who came in here today and they know how far they've come in Jesus' name. People who know the depths of sin that has been forgiven in their lives and people who know the darkness that has come to light because of what Jesus does. done. And they listen to me, you just can't help it, right? Like you can't help it. You just come and you're like, I got to man, I just got to praise my God. You know who struggles with this? You know who struggles with this kind of stuff? People will think, well, I mean, I mean, I really wasn't that bad. Like I wasn't that bad, you know. I wasn't. That, I really. God didn't really have to work that much uh, to get me. saved. I was pretty savable. Like that's what some of you think, right? There's people that think I, I just need to get a few things worked out theologically. I had to just work out a few little uh, things sorted. And there are people who think the depth of your sin was not that deep. You think that like your distance from darkness to light, from le- death to life, was not that amazing. And listen, your worship is reflected by your response. Your your, your worship is reflected. In your response. And I don't mean, here's what I'm, I just wanna make sure you understand. I'm not talking about like throwing your hands in the air and that's, that's like, that's a type of word. Like that's like uh, style. I'm not talking about style, but I'm gonna say in your heart, in your heart. Like, is there a leaping? Is there a jumping to just understanding this unbelievable, amazing God, this holy God in your complete jacked up sinful heart? that leaves you as lame as that guy, as lame as me, as lame as everybody in, in the world and the fact that Jesus literally had to die for you, even though you were pretty savable, that it still led to death. The death that he had to do is still lead to death on the cross for me. This guy was worshiping like crazy. He was just leaping around because he was lame and now he can walk. It's an amazing story. Now, what do we do as a church, what does, this, what does this lead to us as a church? What does this give us the vision and the mission of the church? If you are a River Ridger and if you haven't taken any notes, I'm just, I really want you to write these. It's very critical for us as a church. So get something, get your phone out there. It's just two things that are really simple that I wanna share with us as a result of what we just read uh, and, and what God wants to do. Here's the first thing I wanna talk about with us as a church, here it is, our mission, always was, is now, always will be, individuals and never an institution. Our mission as a church is individuals, not an institution. I want you to understand as you're writing that down, like when you see what happened here, Peter and John, uh, they were not operating in the church as pastors. They were actually outside as individuals. You see that? They, they weren't like doing that. So, so what happened here, what we saw was not a result of the big church doing a whole big thing this, but it was Peter and John as individuals. And here's what I wanna tell you about us and our community. Our community will not be impacted by this building. You hear me? Our community is not gonna be impacted by this building, but by you individually, where you are, meeting people where they are. That's what we're about. That's the mission that we have with this amazing true story of Jesus Christ. Like that that we are always about individuals, you as an individual and them as individuals out there. And I said this a few weeks ago, if you think about the vast majority of of the miracles and acts actually happen outside of the church walls, not inside the church building. A vast majority happen outside with people who were not believers, by the way. I I just want you to understand that. Like wrap your head around. That's huge to hear. That's so huge to hear. So here's the question. Here's the question. Who can you point to that you are ministering to personally right now? Who, like right now, can you think? That's, that's who I'm ministering. That's who I'm going after in the name of Jesus. I, sometimes, and, and I, get, I get like bothered by this sometimes. And, and I know where it's coming from. Sometimes I get asked. Uh, I haven't heard it as lately as I used to, but it's like a, a lot of times people come and say, "Well, how many altar calls do you do? You know, through the year, how many altar calls do you do, Andy?" And and, and I get it. Like it's just sometimes it doesn't hit me well. And I get why it's asked. And I'm going to tell you right now that, that that every time I get up here, man, I, I believe once the word is open, once we that there is an opportunity for somebody to be saved, and I think it's important to extend the invitation to say yes to Jesus. And salvation here. But when I hear that question, I just kind of want to ask it back. I kind of want to say, well, when's the last time you've invited somebody to say yes to Jesus in your life? Somebody you love, somebody you care about, somebody I don't know. And I just want to say, you know, because here's the thing. I just feel like sometimes it's so easy for us to pawn it off to the church gang, listen, you are the church. Like that's you, you are the church. And so I wanna encourage you to think about that. I wanna encourage you to just know this. Our mission is and always will be that every one of us who are following Jesus are sent ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ and who are focused on individuals out there uh, and you pray for them and you invite them. Yes, you invite them to come here, but you invite them to your homes, you invite them to hang out and, and so that they could come and see who this Jesus is in you and the change that he made in your life and in your family's life and to show them that the power of the resurrection is real, and that this God can really change you from the inside out, that you have a testimony, you have a story to tell. And I'm not special, okay? I've told this, this is the 99th time I've told you this this year. I am not, I don't have any special things that you don't have, all right? So, so I just wanna tell you, it's you out there, not just me in here. It's God, that God uses to facilitate real life change in people. Man, if we, man, if we wanna see, if we wanna see people if we want to see people like moving from darkness to light and from death to life, uh, not just people moving churches and all this and that. If we really want to see that, uh, it's because you've invested in people's lives, but not because we have a great Sunday program. And, and listen, I, I may, like, I'm, I'm unapologetic about our Sunday program. I think it's great and we work hard at it. We really do. We pray over it and we, and we think about a lot of things. But I'm telling you, uh, our mission always will be to empower believers to be the church out there where people are and who need Jesus the most, okay? So that's our mission. Individuals, not an institution. I hope you wrote that down. Here's a second one, and it's our message. Our message is healing in Jesus' name. That our message as a church is healing in Jesus' name. And so the question is this. What, what, part, what part of the mission Uh, should be about healing, should be focused on healing? Here's the answer. All of it. All of it. Every single thing should be centered around the healing that could come as a result of following Jesus Christ in your life. Every bit has to do with healing. What we should be known for in this community, what we should be known for is the healing that comes in our community and families and people as a result of faithfully following Jesus Christ in their lives and their marriages, with their kids and their job and all that stuff. And, and listen, and, and yes, part of following Jesus means that we are gonna say things up here that that aren't attractive to hear sometimes, right? It means that we are not gonna be shy about the sin and the destruction that it causes in your life and that we have to be about the truth and we need to warn and we need to talk about those outcomes and, and sometimes we need to teach unpopular messages that don't really tickle the ears and all that stuff but that is always done in Jesus' name which means in the character of Jesus who loves and heals and came to actually save sinners. Our community should say this about us as we do that. Here's what they should say. Man, I'm not sure that I follow Jesus like them, but I'm sure glad they're here. Because they care, like they love. They, they give the crazy things with people and they just do these amazing things in their community. They're genuine, they're kind, they're caring people. Listen, we are here in this place. I just want you to know, again, I just wanna make sure we're just starting from scratch as a church, uh, that we're behind a God do, uh, who's doing stuff here at Ridge Church uh, because we have a group of people who are, and you can be a part of this if you want, man. You can come with us, but we believe that the local church is the hope of the world. That's what we believe. We believe that the the local church is the hope of the world for healing to take place in anybody's life. Why is that, why is that? It's simple, it's simple. Because when the local church takes care of and implements the message of Christ, then they truly will be the hope of the world. That, that, That if a group of people, if a group of people just live out the message of Jesus, then healing will happen, period. Do you agree with me? If we just live this out really, the healing will happen. That's what what I believe, I've seen it. I've seen it in my life, I've seen it in my marriage. I've seen it with things that matter to me. I've seen it with people that I didn't even know, man, I'm telling you, and and I'm talking about the greatest healing of all. God's miraculous, life-changing healing that could come as a result of making Jesus Christ the savior of your life. It's amazing what that healing could do. See, people get excited People get excited. People rally around what's effective, not what's defective. You know what I'm saying? Like, just for anything. Like, people get excited around what's effective and not defective. That's really a huge catch. Think about this. So think about us as a church, right? So as a church, uh, like, here's my question. What's defective? That's not a trick question. It's us, all right? Like, it's people, we're defective. We're really defective. But listen to me, when a group of defective people get and rally around and get united around an effective God and the Jesus who comes down to save the defective people in this world, that changes stuff, that changes lives. I'm telling you, man, that changes people. People are provoked by that. People are interested to see what happened to these defective people. And so that's the message we get to carry. It's what makes a local church the hope of the world. See, Jesus, not us, not us. Jesus, when he died for us on the cross, it changed everything. It changed everything. Here's what it changed for you. I hope you know this, it gave you hope. It gave you great hope, not just one time, but right now in this moment, tomorrow in the next. it gives you hope that he gave us hope that we don't have ourselves because we're defective. We're defective, but he is our perfect substitution. He is our intercessor and we have hope because of what he did for us. And for us as a church, what we do in here, when we gather together and we worship and we make a whole big fuss over Jesus, When we do that, when we make a big deal, that will shape how you treat the world, I believe it. It What we do in here will shape how you treat the world out there. We need it, we need it, right, everybody? We need it when we come in here, everybody. I love this church, man, that's part of of our message and part of our mission, to come in here and be recharged, ready to go back there. We should come just so wiped out from the week, man i am like, man, I told that guy about Jesus shut me down. It's like, all right, man, come on. Let's get encouraged again. Maybe he'll change tomorrow. And we come back out and we go back out there so that we could be agents of change and be a part of the acts of the New Testament church. Amen, 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 right? That's what we do. And so then we can go, you can go to someone else in here, listen, and say, hey, man, I might not be able to physically heal you. Like, that's not my deal. Like, that's God's deal, but I can't give you what I have. I can offer you salvation in Jesus Christ. I can offer you forgiveness of sins. I can offer you peace, intimacy, fellowship with God, an inheritance that is incorruptible, that can never be taken away. That's what's been given to me. That's what you can have. This is our mission. This is our message. This is how we operate as a church. I hope you know. Let's pray. God, thank you for reminding us once again through this incredible story of healing, what your message is to us as a church. Thank you for showing us that you're a healer, you're a helper, and with Jesus as our hope that we can carry this message of healing to the ends of the earth. But let us just start in our neighborhood, in our office, with our family, with our brother, with our cousin, help us, lead us. Heal us so that we can be agents of healing in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and to others out there. There are some of you here and watching, maybe that you, I just wanna offer this up to you, maybe as we're praying that you have not experienced the healing that comes as a result of placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as the savior of your life. And so just so you know, as you're sitting here and thinking and wondering that here's the thing, you have a God who made you, who loves you, he knows you. Like he really, really knows you and you matter to him and and he desires for you to be made right, to be redeemed and to be flourishing in this life with him. And, And if you think about that and you don't feel like you ever really like have experienced that or that you've gone through that, can I just ask you to maybe think about Jesus and just ask yourself or just maybe to think about if it's possible that you've never really accepted the healing that God offers your soul through the forgiveness of your sin. Any other healing that you get will be temporary. This is like real healing that you can have. You, you need healing from a fractured relationship with, you, with your heavenly father. And he offers that to you right now. And what Jesus did for you. That, that's the whole point of your life. The whole point of your life is discovering this. Is discovering that you were made and that you matter and that there's a solution for your life and what Jesus did for you. That you have a broken heart and a and, and sin that breaks it, and, and God wants to restore that through what Jesus did for you. So if you'd like that healing in your life right now, you feel like you've never actually experienced that healing that God provides, He can heal you. You can just accept Him right now so you can surrender Him and you can just pray this with me. You can pray, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner and I need saved. And I accept that Jesus and his death is the full payment for my sin. And I want to be healed and made right with you. So I turn from my life of sin and I turn to you. I repent from that life and I turn to you. Make me whole, make me new. And now for all of us, God, I pray that we see more clearly than we did yesterday. I pray that we have the courage, you give us the courage if we don't have it, to to take a step in your direction, to to let you lead us and to do something about uh, what your call is for our lives and that we're united around this Jesus, our Savior, our intercessor, the amazing grace that you gives us in, in the name of what he did. Thank you so much for Jesus. We love you. Amen.